This podcast contains adult themes and is not intended for children. Listener discretion is advised. If you enjoy this content, please consider leaving us a five-star review wherever you listen, and follow us on Instagram at Tales Driftwood. As always, I am your host, Eric, and today I'll be bringing you the last part of chapter 20. When we were last with each other, Julian and Dorian had a conversation with Trevor Maben, now going by Rogue, and had convinced them to join with them in taking down Vega. Rogue had agreed grudgingly, stating that this did not mean a friendship had been formed, that he would be doing this simply for revenge and freedom. Meanwhile, Wade, Adrian, and Liam made it into the dungeon of Benedict. While there, they discovered Clyde, who had been beaten unconscious and had both of his legs broken. They also discovered a small boy, but saw no sign of Max anywhere. Despite Adrian's protests, they decided to take the boy with them as they looked to escape with Clyde. So with all that being said, I give you Hyde Chapter 20, Two Sides to Every Story, Part 3. Adrian led the procession out of the dungeon, all of them doing their best not to look at the prisoners in the mass holding cells. Wade inwardly promised himself that he would come back when everything was over and free each and every one of the prisoners personally. They made their way back up the long stairway that led to the dungeon and finally emerged into the hallway that they would have to take back to their hidden exit, back to the city streets. As Liam emerged last from the stairway, still carrying Clyde, the group collectively heard a long, chilling laugh at the end of the hallway. Adrian froze instantly, fear etched all over his face. I know that laugh. Footsteps began to fall at the right side of the hallway. First one set, then many steps. Of course you know my laugh, little brother. I'm the happiest man in Hyde. Wade brandished his swords in the direction of the voice and Liam deftly drew his pistol with one hand keeping the other hand on the unconscious man on his back. A giant black man stepped out of the darkness of the hallway in front of them. Wade noticed for the first time that most of the lights of the hallway had been extinguished, only the ones over the door which they had just come in from still shone. 
The black man smiled, revealing a blindingly white smile contrasting the midnight darkness of his skin. Hello, kitties. My name is Marcus Sykes. Of course, little Mr. Benedict already knows who I am, so he could tell you that I'm not a man to mess around with. Wade lowered his sword slightly and gave Sykes a sly grin. Oh, I know who you are too, Sykes. I've heard all about you. Sykes laughed a deep, terrible laugh again. <laughs> oh, do you now? Well, that's good. So I don't have to spend a lot of time explaining myself. Unfortunately, I don't know who you are, but that doesn't really matter now, does it? Wade smiled and once again raised his swords. You'll know my name when I'm pulling your guts out with these. I'll make sure of it. Sykes laughed his evil laugh again and looked Wade dead in his eyes. Wade could tell that the man wasn't intimidated at all, and he felt apprehension of his own starting to rise in his stomach. If the eyes are the windows to the soul, Sykes showed nothing but blackness. No soul resided here, just pure death. Sykes' laughter cut off and a sneer appeared on his face. If you were thinking I was going to fight fair, then you really haven't heard enough about me then. He lifted his left hand and made a waving motion with it. Eight guards with black uniforms detached themselves from the dark hallway and flanked Sykes, four to his left and four to his right. They all carried rifles, and they all looked like they knew how to use them. The boy from the cell looked up at Liam and saw that the man's eyes were narrowed in concentration. He seemed to be sizing up every single one of the guards, one at a time. Sykes lowered his hand and chuckled lowly. Now, the traitor that is being carried by your boy there and the little brother there go back into the dungeons. I'm going to have to take the one carrying the traitor too, just because y'all got cocky thinking you was going to be able to pull this off. He paused and pointed a strong finger at Adrian, smiling widely as he did. You, little boy Adrian, your daddy wants to have words with you, so I'm oblige him and take you right over there. Wade gripped his swords tighter. What about me? Sykes looked him over and laughed again. You? You get to go back to that little maggot that should have died years ago and tell him to get out of this town. You can even leave with him. He don't belong here anymore. Neither do you. That sounds like a pretty good deal, don't it? Wade smirked and nodded. Yeah, I guess it does. Sykes laughed and waved his right hand forward. Glad we can understand each other, brother. The four guards on his right side moved forward. Adrian nervously slid Julian's gun out of the pocket that he'd been keeping it in. Wade, you backstabber, I can't believe you. He stopped suddenly as Wade threw the sword in his right hand at one of the approaching guards. It hit him square in the chest and the shot guard instinctively pulled the trigger of his gun as he lost his balance. The sudden burst of gunfire caved in the head of the guard next to him. And just like that, Wade had cut the advantage of Sykes to three on six instead of three on eight. Adrian hardly had time to process this before Liam had stepped up beside him, firing his revolver steadily. Two more guards fell as Liam emptied his gun, one with a smoking crater in his throat, the other shot through the forehead. Sykes and the four remaining guards had dived to the ground and were now returning fire. Adrian slowly raised his pistol to return fire when Wade ran towards him full tilt, grabbing him as he did. Let's go, Adrian. Get on your horse and run. We have to get to the exit quick while they're not chasing us. Adrian turned and ran after Wade, realizing that Liam and the boy had already started running down the other end of the hallway, Clyde bobbing up and down on Liam's back. Bullets smacked around them as they fled, 
and Adrian could hear Sykes screaming orders behind him. They reached the door to a small parlor they had to walk through to get to the dungeons earlier, and they all piled into the room, Wade slamming and locking the door shut behind them once they were all in. They were all panting as they stood around, trying to catch their breath. Adrian laughed unexpectedly as he got his breath. <laughs> wow, how about that? We took out four other guys and we don't even have a scratch on us. He looked around and saw Liam shaking his head, his face white and his expression hollow. Someone's got more than a scratch on them. Adrian frowned in confusion and he looked at Liam and the boy. Not a mark on them. He panicked momentarily and looked down, checking himself all over, but there was nothing. Then it dawned on him that Wade was still standing behind him, and he slowly turned to face him. Wade was a wreck. He had pushed Adrian ahead of them while they were running away, and he had been the last one into the small parlor. Adrian saw that Wade had been hit in at least four places by bullets. He had transferred his remaining katana from his left arm to his right arm, as his left arm now hung useless a bullet hole sitting at the top of his shoulder and another one near his elbow. He was bleeding profusely from a spot on his right leg, and one more shot, which seemed to be the worst one, had hit him in the back and gone through his midsection. Adrian slowly looked up and made eye contact with Wade. The young man's eyes still burned with determination, however, and his jaw was set firmly. I'm not going to be able to run anymore, and I don't want anyone carrying me. You four, get to the exit now. I'm going to hold them off until they finish me. Adrian opened his mouth to protest, and Wade held up his hand. I don't want to fucking hear it, Adrian. You take the boy's hand in the lead. Liam will keep carrying Clyde, and all of you are going to make it out of here. You get back to the others, and you let them know what happened here and that Benedict knows about Julian being alive. Adrian closed his mouth and nodded as Wade slumped into a leather chair, his body making a squishing noise as he sat in his own blood. He took the boy's hand and started to lead him out of the room. A thought popped into his head and he turned back to Wade, handing him Julian's gun. Here, you're gonna need this more than me. Wade nodded his thanks to him and smiled. Thanks, Adrian. It was real nice meeting you. He glanced at the boy and winked at him. You too, little man. Good luck. The boy didn't answer him, only staring at all of his wounds until Adrian pulled him out of the other door of the room. Liam set Clyde down on a couch and approached Wade, as fresh bullets started to thump the door of the parlor, followed by voices. He kneeled down and looked earnestly into Wade's eyes. Are you sure about this, brother? We could still make it with you. Wade cracked a smile, which disappeared as he started coughing violently. <coughs> you couldn't carry both me and Clyde, and I don't trust Adrian or the kid enough to carry me. Go on, you Irish bastard. I'll make sure they don't catch you. Liam smiled and patted Wade's shoulder, then thought better of it and grasped his hand firmly. You want me to tell Julian anything for you? Wade gritted his teeth and looked up at Liam. Yeah. Tell him that this is all worth it. Helping these people, doing something good, something that means something. Tell him that my life now has meaning. And so does my death. He coughed again, blood coming out with this one. <laughs> you tell him, Liam, and don't you stop running until you get to him. Liam nodded and reloaded his gun as the parlor door started to give. He rushed over to where he had left Clyde, scooped him up, and ran out of the opposing door to the parlor as the door that they had entered burst inward, splintering everywhere. Wade rose shakily to his feet, 
tucking his katana into his belt and holding Julian's revolver in his good hand. The guard flew through the door first, spraying the room with bullets as he entered. He was firing sloppily, however, and none of the bullets came close to hitting Wade. Wade was aiming, and it was not a good shot. Somehow, though, he was able to hit the guard with one of five shots. The guard's left eye disappeared as the bullet went through it and he slumped to the floor. The last shot of the revolver was a truly lucky one, as the next guard rushed through the door and Wade shot him right through the brain. He went crashing through a glass table as he died, making a loud shattering noise as he did. Sykes was next through the door, rushing through as the other ones did, holding his giant bowie knife instead of the gun. He flinched momentarily as Wade raised the revolver, and then looked relieved as the gun clicked empty. Wade tossed it aside and smiled a bloody grin at him. <laughs> Looks like you're not so tough after all, are you Sykes? Sykes looked enraged momentarily, but he quickly reverted back to his mocking demeanor. He laughed loudly as the two remaining guards entered the room. <laughs> not bad, young brother. Not bad at all. He turned to the guards and gave them stern looks. Go around and get the rest of them. I'll handle this one. The guards nodded and separated, one going around Wade on the right and one on the left. Wade now looked dead on his feet, as he had already lost a lot of blood. But as the guards began their journey around him, he sprung into action one more time. He vaulted over a couch on his right side and landed right in front of the surprise guard. The man brought his gun up and fired as quickly as he could, missing with all of his shots except one which took out the bottom of Wade's right ear. Screaming in pain and rage, Wade drew his sword and in one motion knocked the man's gun from his grasp. He dropped to one knee and drove the sword through the man's body armor and into his chest. The man gave out a small noise before dropping to the floor. Wade's sword still embedded in him. A thud on the back of his head sent Wade sprawling to the floor, his entire body burning and throbbing, blood flowing freely from every one of his wounds. Sykes stood over him, smiling his evil smile as the last guard ran from the room in pursuit of the others. Wade put his hands down on the ground, willing his body to get up and somehow struggled to his feet. He turned and faced the massive Sykes, defenseless. Sykes' smile disappeared and he let out a savage roar picking up Wade by the throat with one arm and carrying him to a wooden table in the middle of the now-destroyed room. With a quick motion, he slammed Wade through the table, breaking it in half. Wade looked up dazedly from his spot on the ground, figuring for sure that the new fresh pain and yet somehow numb sensation he was feeling meant that his spine was broken. Sykes was looking down at him and smiling. He drew his massive knife from its sheath again and grabbed Wade by the hair, yanking him up. His eyes glimmered with excitement as he placed the blade against Wade's neck. You were good, brother. But all your work ain't gonna mean anything once all's said and done. Men like me, we always win. Wade opened his mouth to retort, but he found that he had no more strength left to even manage a word. Sykes smiled and prepared to end Wade, when a clear commanding voice spoke from behind him. That's enough. I need him. Sykes froze in astonishment and turned slowly in the direction of the voice. When he saw the owner, he scowled in displeasure. You? Need him? For what? The figure moved towards him with deliberate steps. You're a dog, Sykes. You are told what to do, and then you do it. You do not ask questions, you follow blindly. When you do well, you are rewarded. When you disobey, 
you are beaten. The figure stopped in front of him and Sykes slowly removed the knife from Wade's neck. Victor Vega smiled as he shrewdly considered Wade's broken body. Good boy. Good boy. The last guard followed the sound of echoing footsteps from a safe distance until he heard them stop. He crouched in the darkness and approached where the footsteps had stopped slowly. Out of all the people Sykes had picked just a little while ago to help him capture these intruders, he was the only one left, and he meant to stay alive. He paused as he considered his situation. The footsteps had disappeared around a corner that he was working his way up to. He made his way to the corner and stopped. He put his back to the wall slowly and reached down to his belt, pulling out a smoke grenade. He didn't take the pin out, but instead simply tossed the grenade from where he was covered against the wall into the hallway. A shot rang out and the grenade exploded instantly with a loud bang, sending smoke all through the hallway and covering his tracks. He smoothly slid from the wall into the hallway and squeezed off five shots before rolling back to the safety of the corner. He could hear loud cursing and a door slam as he sat with satisfaction against the wall. He had hit someone, he knew that much. Liam limped inside the cramped closet where he, Adrian, and Wade had first entered the Benedict Mansion. God damn it. I knew out of all those guards, at least one of them had to have a brain in their heads. He looked around at his group. An unconscious Clyde, a shaking boy, and Adrian who had a peculiar look on his face. He sighed and nodded to the wall where the pipe was. Alright, Adrian, old boy. I'll take up the rear. You lead us out of here. Adrian looked at him and shook his head. No. Liam furrowed his brow and looked at him angrily. What the bloody hell are you talking about, boyo? I'm the only one here with a weapon, and you know I won't be giving you my gun. Adrian nodded. I know. I don't want it. Liam looked at him in disbelief. What are you saying, lad? We can't spend all day in here doddering about. We need to get the bloody hell out of here. Adrian smiled. You three are. I'm staying. I have a plan. Liam was getting furious. He stalked over to Adrian and grabbed him by the shirt. Now you listen to me, a little shite. We're all leaving here together. You, me, Clyde, and the little lad. Adrian smiled calmly down at him. You don't have a lot of time before the guards get here, Liam. You better take those two with you and get out of here now. I'm not changing my mind. Liam continued to glare at him momentarily before his expression loosened, and he released Adrian's shirt. He now looked and sounded desperate. <sighs> Come on, fella. Cut me a break here. It was me, you, and Wade that left for this rescue mission, and now I'm supposed to come back with myself, a half-dead Clyde, and a little tyke? How am I supposed to explain this? Adrian shrugged indifferently and faced the door. I don't know. I'm just thinking about my plan now. Liam continued to stare at his back until he heard footsteps in the hallway. Grunting, he picked up Clyde and moved over to the now-exposed pipe in the wall. He considered it for a moment and then turned to the young boy. Alright lad, this is our ticket out of here. I'm going to slide down first. When I get to the bottom, I'll holler up at you and you push this man here down at me, understand? The boy nodded, a terrified expression on his face. What about me? I don't want to stay here. Liam tapped his shoulder encouragingly. No worries, lad. After you push me mate here down, 
I'll call up to you, and you can slide down last. I'll catch you. With that, Liam whirled and hurled himself down the pipe. It was much quicker going down the pipe than it was climbing up, and he reached the bottom before he knew it, shooting out of the pipe and landing on his shot leg. He nearly cried out in pain but caught himself, knowing that the guards in the city would be in a high alert knowing that Benedict's home had been broken into. He gritted his teeth and faced the pipe. All clear, lad. Let it rip. He waited for a moment and soon heard a whooshing noise rapidly approaching him. He braced himself and Clyde's limp body soon came shooting out of the pipe and hit him square in the chest. He collapsed on the ground, Clyde on top of him. He quickly rolled over and placed the limp man on the ground, checking to see if he was still breathing. Still alive, you lucky mutt. You get to be carried around this whole time while I get a bullet in me leg. Liam grumbled unhappily as he turned to face the pipe again. All right, lad. I'm ready for you. He shouted up the pipe. Back in the closet, the boy looked uncertainly at Adrian as he received Liam's signal. Hey, mister. Are you sure you aren't coming? Adrian turned to him and smiled coldly. No. Now get out of here. The boy moved towards the pipe and stuck his legs and lower body inside, pausing one more time. Mister... What's your plan? Adrian laughed stonily in a way that unnerved the boy. He approached him and bent at the knees, putting one hand on the boy's head. My friends will find out soon enough, and so will you. With that, he harshly shoved the boy's head down the pipe and slammed the entrance shut behind him. The door to the closet flew open behind him as it was kicked in and the lone guard entered the room, pointing his gun at him. Adrian smiled coolly at the man and slowly raised his arms take me to my father. Julian and Dorian emerged from the woods and began to trudge back towards Hyde. Dorian glanced over and saw that Julian's brow was creased in thought. Dorian himself had many thoughts racing through his own mind right now, but decided he didn't want to hash them out all alone. He looked ahead at the town they were approaching. With the wall surrounding it, the place looked like a medieval city, protected by its king and its loyal knights. Only this was not the case. The walls might as well have been metal bars keeping the unwitting townspeople locked inside instead of protecting them from attackers. The king was greedy and evil, and his knights were brainless followers, only interested in their own gain. He looked back at Julian, who was smirking at him. You look like you have a lot going on in there, pal. Dorian shrugged casually. I just think the whole situation is kind of crazy. I mean, I've had to fight for survival my entire life. Teaming up with Liam made things easier, but neither one of us has ever had to deal with anything like this before. Just when you think you've reached the craziest thing you can deal with, something else comes up and trumps it. Julian nodded. It is a lot to deal with and I appreciate you and Liam standing by me. I know we haven't known each other for that long, but I want you to know that I trust you and our cowboy friend completely. Dorian stopped and looked at him. Why? Why do you trust us? Julian did not stop, just continued walking towards his desolate city. You're here. That's enough for me. Dorian sped up to get in front of him and held up his hand. That doesn't mean anything. Technically, I could take off right now. Go back to that cabin in the woods, take the money from the old man, and go somewhere else. Start new. I don't need this, you know. Any of this. Julian stopped and smiled at him kindly. 
Yes, you do. I think we all do. Dorian, you and Liam weren't doing anything when Wade and I found you. You were mercs for hire, nothing more. Sure, we're all young now, but how long were you planning on doing that for? Until a job went bad and someone put a bullet in you? Or were you planning on doing jobs until you were old? Dorian frowned at his walking partner. I don't worry about the future. I live for the moment. Julian rolled his eyes and pushed past Dorian. Oh my god, that's the most cliche thing I've ever heard. Look, everyone thinks about the future, and everyone worries about it. If we're able to do what we're attempting to do here, it'll set a lot of things right. He turned and looked at Dorian in the eye. And I can promise you, if I'm the one running things when all is said and done, you and Liam will always have a home to come to and hide. He turned and continued to walk towards his hometown. Dorian was frozen where he stood. He gulped hard and thought about Julian's words. Home. The word had never meant a whole lot to Dorian before. He had never had a true home. Most of his life had been spent traveling from place to place, never settling down. When he met Liam, it gave him a small feeling of stability, but not much. Liam was reckless, always starting fights that had to be finished in a painful way. He had found the warehouse that he stayed in, but never felt as though he could decorate or keep anything of value there, since he could be moving again at any time. The concept that Julian was speaking of now, that any time he returned to Hyde there would be a safe place for him, boggled his mind. He shook his head and continued after Julian. They walked in silence for several moments as the graveyard came into view. He looked over at Julian who had a troubled look on his face. What's wrong with you? Julian glanced at him and then back to the graveyard. Rogue. It's bothering me. Dorian arched an eyebrow. Rogue? He agreed to help us, right? Julian nodded grudgingly. He did. Then he disappeared. The fact that Archer sent us to get him and bring him back and we're coming back empty-handed. It's bothering me. Dorian chuckled lightly. Uh, so what? We have to wait for Rogue to find us and hide. What is Archer going to do? You're the boss of this whole operation, anyway. Everything hinges on you. Julian shook his head, a stern expression on his face. Not really. I'm a figurehead. I spent most of my life planning on getting back to Hyde, not about what I was going to do once I get inside. Archer has been planning on overthrowing Benedict probably since I left. He's the one putting this plan together. I'm just going along with it. Dorian shook his head in disagreement. That's not all true. Yes, he's been planning on a rebellion for all these years, but has he ever done anything this drastic? No. It took you coming back to spark that. It took you coming back to unite his people with Adrian's. You have more power than you know, Julian. You need to own that power. Julian smiled at him and then froze as his eyes caught something. Dorian froze with him, his fist clenched in front of him defensively. What? Why did you stop? Julian gritted his teeth. I thought I saw something in the graveyard. One of those black cloaks. Dorian looked around the graveyard and saw nothing. It's a little bit early for them to be out, isn't it? Julian looked at him pointedly. Stranger things have happened, wouldn't you say? Dorian nodded. I guess that's right. What do you want to do? Julian continued to stare at the graveyard until he moved forward silently. We keep going. We need to be careful, though. 
They continued on until they reached the first row of gravestones, and then they saw them. Santana's followers were indeed there, if not all of them, then quite a few of them. They were moving between the gravestones like wraiths, their heads covered but seemingly looking for something. They ducked behind a large gravestone and Dorian stared at Julian for direction. Julian bit his lip in thought and then turned to Dorian. Alright, this doesn't change anything, just adds a wrinkle to our plan. Dorian looked at him in disbelief. A wrinkle? You saw what that crazy bastard Santana did to that man the other night? He got his damn head off. How's this just a wrinkle? Julian peeked around the gravestone. Because like I said, it doesn't change anything. We still have to get to the fountain, regardless of whether there are people here or not. Obviously they're looking for something, so they'll be preoccupied with that while we make our way back to the fountain. He started to move forward when Dorian grabbed his arm. Wait, what if they're looking for us? Julian froze, considering it for a moment before shaking his head. No, th they all think we're dead, remember? Liam blew up our vehicles just to make sure they thought that. Dorian nodded. You're probably right. Alright, lead the way. They began creeping their way through the graveyard, crouching and keeping low to the ground, working their way between the gravestones and mausoleums back to the city wall and the fountain. It was slow and excruciating, as every time one of Santana's followers approached, they had to stop or hide or flatten themselves against the ground. The cloaked followers were everywhere, seemingly covering every inch of ground in the graveyard. Finally, the fountain was in sight. They exchanged a look of triumph before they heard a loud cheer go up behind them. They looked back in the direction of the graveyard with perplexed looks. Dorian looked back at Julian who was starting to creep back into the graveyard, in the direction of the cheer. Julian! He hissed as loud as he dared under his breath. Julian turned his head slowly and looked back at him. What are you doing? We're right here. The fountain is right there. All we have to do is swim back into hide. Julian shook his head. Mm-mm. Santana is up to something. He's one of the three people we have to worry about. If he's doing something in this graveyard right now, I want to know what it is. Dorian ran exasperated fingers through his hair. You're going to get us both killed, you know that? Julian smirked and turned his back to him. <laughs> Come on. We snuck all the way back to the wall without being caught. We can do this without being caught, too. Dorian watched Julian move skillfully from gravestone to gravestone before following him. He knew in his heart that everything he had done lately was completely out of character for him. Agreeing to take this job in the first place, not bailing once the job went bad, not leaving again when he just had the opportunity, and now following someone towards danger rather than relative safety. He shook his head. This would be the last time. The next time he had a chance to leave, he would take it. He reached Julian, who was crouched behind a broken marker, and peered around it to see what he was looking at. The crowd of black cloaks were gathered around the makeshift altar again, and just as the previous night, Santana was standing on the stone circle again, his arms wide as he walked around the circumference of the circle in his blue robe. Wrath and Malice were standing on two opposing sides, looking like nightmares brought to life. In the middle of the circle was a dead body wearing one of Santana's black cloaks. Dorian's blood chilled as Santana suddenly plucked a black cloaked person from the gathering and dragged them to the center of the stone. Dorian could tell from the screams that the person was a woman, and he looked at Julian in horror, 
Julian was staring straight ahead, his jaw set, his face beat red. Santana raised his arms over the petrified young woman and addressed the graveyard. Julian McCoy. Dorian felt his stomach tighten, and he shot a look over at Julian again. Julian's face went from red to white instantly. It was as if someone had let all the blood out of his body at once. Santana let out an evil cackle. <laughs> young McCoy, I know that you are here. I don't know what you are searching for, but I care little about it. All I care about is having words with you. The mayor wants you dead, but he is not my master. Chaos is my master, and Chaos would rather see you leave than see you dead. Come forward now and I will say my peace to you. Silence filled the graveyard as Santana's followers looked around, searching with their hidden eyes for the unseen intruders. Santana grabbed the woman at his feet by her hair and she screamed shrilly as he did. No, you would not have words with me? Very well. My followers will willingly die for me and I have no issue with ending life. Until you come forward, I will continue to kill my followers at my own convenience. I know that you value human life, or else you would have never come back to this place. He quickly reached underneath his robe and pulled out the scythe he had used to behead the man he had seen die the first night. He gestured to the dead body behind him. Do you see? It is not a trick. That man was the first one chosen. This woman is the second. I beseech you, young McCoy. Please stop me, for I cannot stop myself. He smiled wickedly as the woman began to struggle in his grasp. Please, I've done everything you've asked of me. He knelt down and put one hand on her forehead. Yes, you have been a faithful believer. And now, I reward you. With one motion, he slid the scythe across her neck, opening up a gaping wound. Blood poured from the woman's neck as Santana pushed her forward. She convulsed for several moments as the blood covered the stone and Santana looked down on her with a blissful expression on his face. Julian had seen enough. He stood up, fearless in the moment, and marched towards Santana. Dorian was so frozen in his spot that he didn't even notice that Julian had left the gravestone until he reached the first of Santana's followers and pushed them aside. He stood up slowly as the disciples of Santana parted for Julian, allowing him to walk to the front. This was it, the moment that he had just been thinking of. He could leave now while Santana's men were distracted with Julian, make it to the woods and then from there back to the cabin, overpower the old man, take the money and go somewhere and start a new life. He started to move away, but something stopped him. There was something about this place. Not the graveyard, but Hyde. The promise that Julian had made him about having a home here once they defeated their enemies. It had touched something in Dorian. He thought of leaving Liam here, abandoning him. The idea felt like a bullet had smashed through him. As he considered all of this, watching Julian walk bravely to certain death, he realized something. He now cared about Julian and Wade the same way that he cared for Liam. They were like his brothers now. His throat tightened as he looked longingly at the woods which ensured safety, and then back at Julian, who had made it to the stone circle and was standing face to face with his adversary. The choice was clear. He began to walk with determined steps towards the stone circle to join his friend. 
If Julian died here today, he would not be alone. Julian stood glaring at the man who had terrified him as a child, feeling no fear but rage. He pointed to the two dead bodies on the stone. You're an animal, Santana. You grab these people off of the street, threaten them until they join you, and then execute them like it means nothing. Santana smiled hideously at him and raised his arms at his sides. They are wayward souls, and I am their shepherd. For now, we move in the dark so that you may move in the light. So good to see you again, young Master McCoy. I had feared that I would never be able to gaze upon your face again. His expression changed to one of feigned sadness as he signaled wrath and malice with his hands. Alas, I must play my role and end your life. You will be the next sacrifice to chaos. I know I had said that I would release you, but chaos is a fickle master, and what it wants now is your blood. Julian snapped his wrist quickly, freeing his blade and pulling it from its slide. He smiled coldly as Santana's face dropped at the sight of the weapon. If Chaos wants my blood, it'll have yours as well. He lunged toward Santana when his feet were ripped out from beneath him. He landed on his chest and smacked his chin against the stone circle, dazing him. He looked back slowly and saw that his feet had been captured by Malice's whip. Wrath had freed his massive hammer from his belt and was approaching him quickly, raising the hammer as he did. He brought it down hard, but Julian was able to roll towards him as he did, his hammer missing him by inches. Fortunately for Julian, he had not let go of his knife when he hit the stone, and now he drove the blade into the giant's thigh. Wrath bellowed in pain and let go of the hammer to grab Julian and lift him from the ground. On the way up, Julian extended the knife, so as Wrath lifted him, the blade cut up his abdomen and chest. Wrath dropped him to the ground, reeling in pain and holding his body. Julian brought his legs up quickly and cut the whip that was holding his feet together. He made it to his feet just in time to take a solid kick to the chest by malice. The small man was jumping around like a chimpanzee, the strange tattoos covering his faces appearing to move while he jumped back and forth. He freed one of the knives from his belt and sent it flying towards Julian in a blur. It was all Julian could do just to duck before the blade hit him. He looked up as Malice had already grabbed a second knife and was preparing to let it fly before he was tackled by a rushing blur. Julian blinked and saw that Dorian was on top of the little man, pounding his face with his fists. Julian heard a screech from behind him and saw Santana pointing at him. Take them both. Take them alive. They must be sacrificed. Julian looked back from him and saw the crowd rushing both he and Dorian. He brandished his knife and managed to take a few swipes before the mass of people descended on him. He was punched, kicked, kneed, even bitten before they grabbed a hold of his arms, subduing him. Someone forced the knife out of his hands and he heard it go clattering to the stone as he was dragged back towards Santana. He looked around wildly for Dorian and found him being dragged from the opposite side of the circle. He was in the same condition as Julian, beaten but not dead. Santana wore a look of disgust as he approached Julian and smacked him hard across the mouth. He felt blood well up inside his mouth instantly and spit it back at Santana. The maniac smiled cruelly down at him and walked back to the middle of the circle. You're a fool just as your father was, young McCoy. You can't stand in the way of my progress. Nobody can. I am driven by a force far more powerful than any man. 
He pointed at Julian. You try to fight the future, yet the realization will come to you that you cannot win. You stand in the way of true understanding for all of my believers, and by trying to restore order to Hyde, you are attempting to undo all the years of my work. I cannot let that happen. He stopped, lowering his arm and grinning madly. Just so you can see what the place of your forefathers has become, I will give you a demonstration. He looked around at his followers and raised his arms again. My flock, what say you? I am leaving the decision up to you. Do we release the young McCoy and his pitiful friend here? Or do we embrace chaos and end their lives on our stone? Silence greeted Santana's question, and Julian felt a stab of hope go through his body. Perhaps these people had seen enough. Maybe Dorian was right. There might be more power in his presence than he thought. His hopes were dashed as the chant went up amongst the crowd. Chaos. 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 The cloaked disciples chanted in unison, no one daring to oppose Santana's will. Santana raised his scythe in the air, laughing evilly as he did. You see? The people have turned. You will never... His words cut off suddenly as he shook for a moment. A look of disbelief crossed his face as he looked down. Julian could not believe his eyes. Much like his own father fifteen years previous, an arrowhead protruded coldly from Santana's chest. The dark minister opened his mouth to say something before he was hit again with another arrow and dropped to his knees. The crowd had gone deathly quiet after the first arrow appeared, but when the second arrow hit, they proved that chaos was indeed their master as they exploded in a panicked frenzy. People started screaming and running away from their fallen leader as fast as they could. They ran into each other, knocking cloaks and bodies to the ground and then picking themselves up and running away again. Julian looked around as he was released and saw that Dorian was picking himself up off the ground. His friend shielded his eyes against the sun and then pointed up, seemingly at the sun. Julian followed his gaze and caught his breath. Perched on top of a mausoleum like a gargoyle was Rogue. He effortlessly dropped to the ground and approached Julian. Julian slowly regained his composure and got to his feet as Rogue and Dorian reached him simultaneously. He looked at Rogue in disbelief. I don't think I've ever seen better timing in my entire life. Rogue shrugged indifferently. Don't think too much of it. I have no love for those creepy bastards. Besides, they aren't going to help me take down Vega. You are. Dorian nodded and then pointed with alarm behind them. Look! They're coming back for Santana! Wrath and Malice had somehow fought their way through the panicking crowd and were now helping Santana up. Malice yanked both of the arrows from Santana, with his leader giving a loud cry with each removal. Santana's albino face looked long and drawn, his eyes rolling listlessly in their sockets. Dorian tapped Rogue excitedly and pointed at the trio. You have to finish them, Rogue. You already did half the job on Santana. Finish him and his two flunkies there. Rogue looked at him through the dead black eyes of his mask. I don't have to do anything. My fight isn't with them. It's with Vega. I was clear with you two back in the woods. I'm not your friend. I'm here to kill Vega, blow up his lap, and get the hell out of here. Anything like this? Consider a favor. Julian opened his mouth to say something, 
and then closed it as he saw Wrath put Santana on his back and hurry back into the graveyard, Malice trailing the other two. He looked back at Rogue and squinted against the sun. Do you think he'll die? Rogue looked back in the direction of the retreating foes and shrugged. Probably. I didn't hit him with my poison-tipped arrows. Those are for Vega. Both of my shots went through him, though, so they must have hit some organs. He'll most likely be dead within an hour. He strapped the bow to his back and put his hands on his hips. So now that we're done with this, you were going to show me your plan? Thank you so much for joining me for part 3 of chapter 20. Next week, we will see how the rebellion against Benedict progresses. Is Wade still alive? What does Adrian's sudden shift in attitude mean? And what is his plan? Was Rogue able to kill Santana? You'll have to tune in next week to find out. So until we meet again, make your story a good story, and maybe, someday, I'll be telling your story. Be safe out there, everyone. Goodbye.